this life, gotta make your own deals, chase your own thrills, pay your own bills, on the outer loop, sitting on chrome wheels, phone synced up to the newest chrome bills, on air, who cares if it's right or wrong, I just care which guests they invited on, without a minute to stall, and there was liquor involved with some hype songs, and the night is young, right on cue, the talking begins, and we check out what Steve Bills got on the blends, a bit grimy. A backdrop from the late 80s to the mid 90s Till it finally takes us to a rhythm that works And K. Chrome spits a verse that he didn't rehearse Both flex skills proving it's all in So gather around for the newest installment Chrome Bills Episode number Episode number 85 85 And we've been on a, we've been on a pretty hot streak of uh, Pretty long hot streak of interviews Today's episode is no different. We have in the house with us. Uh, how would you officially describe your title? Creator, producer, and director of Adult Rappers? Sure. There you go. And Paul, hey, I'm not uh, even going to botch your last name. How do you say your last name? Yannakino. There you go. I was way off. What were you going to say? Iana. I think I had an Ian at the front. Okay. Yeah. Where where were you going with, with that? I like Yannakino. Okay. That, that's, you know. No, I like it, but I was, I, it's funny because I I actually wrote down in my intensive pre production meeting with you guys. I actually said, ask him what how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> I was I thought he was like Chino XL's like cousin or something like that. I can imagine lots <laughs> of interviews that he goes through. This very question. You got to remind him. Yeah. Paulie I. I have to tell all. I have to tell. I have three kids, and I've told them all, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Who are this you? This is your legacy. For right. the rest of your life, you have to you have to pronounce your name for people. Like a thousand times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many kids do you have? Yep. He said three. Three. Have they seen your film, Adult Rappers? And we'll talk about what it is in a second. But I wanna, I'm always interested to know, like, when you reach that daddy level of hip-hop, or that just that level where you've created things that your children can get involved with. Have they seen the film? Do they give you feedback? My my oldest one is uh is eight. She she's actually she's almost nine. She's seen parts of it, and that is the like biggest crack up to me. She'll be like, "Dad, is this your film?" Yeah. Okay. And she leaves the room. Right. Like zero zero interest. <laughs> because as a parent, anything you do is not cool to your kids. Right. It's the antithesis of gold. You literally could like be able to fly and save babies from burning buildings every day, and your kid be like, "Nah, there's better shit on TV." Like, uh, can you go play Minecraft. Right. It's kind of bullshit. I'm gonna go jerk off. I, I'd be like, I, I'll excuse you to go jerk <laughs> off. That's about it. I had seen something earlier where like Michael Jordan's kid had uh, like not realized he was using public. Uh, public Twitter and not DM to like try and get some porn star to go home with him. No. Oh, boy. And I was just like, I was kind of thinking, you know, he's Jordan's kid and he has that same feel, right? He's like, yeah, whatever, dad. Like, you don't even, get it, man. Even Jordan's, kid, though, even Jordan's kid must be like, yeah, just right. baby in it. Yeah. Jordan's kid ain't having it either. I'll he's tell you that like, much. You don't have Steph Curry's range. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, we, we, uh, we got in touch with you because a, you're just an awesome guy. But B, you have this amazing documentary, and it's called Adult Rappers. And actually, I, I pulled something off of IMDb, the description of it. It's so dope, but it says it's written by Anonymous. You had to have written this, right? You wrote the the description of it? Uh-huh, yep. 
Adult Rappers is a documentary feature that tells the story of working class rappers and the struggle to find a balance between making a living and pursuing their art alongside their never ending saga of age and relevance. Devoid of the ego that's so common in hip hop, the interviews that drive the narrative explore the myths and misconceptions of life as a rapper with shocking honesty. And this is the brilliant part. When your hobby becomes your job, it's time to find a new hobby. Mm. That's Chris, man. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. We, we got to give a, a shout out to Giant Gorilla Dog Thing, though. For Absolutely. Sure. For sure. Of Pig Food Records, Giant Gorilla Dog Thing and El Sphinx. Actually, El Sphinx has a new record out on pigfoodrecords.com. The two of them did the theme song for adult rappers. You'll hear Dude Computer yeah. in the credits, man. Yeah, they're a bunch of jerks. They are. Oh, I love those. Oh, uh, yeah. Me too. It's Dez and, um, and Mitch. And, Dude Computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mitch. Who goes by the worst rap name of Dude Computer <laughs> and El Sphinx, and then PJ Cats produced it. Okay. And uh, yeah, look, that's the, that's like you? one piece of the story that everyone always responds to, and we actually um, so that's the that's the piece of music that's o- that's under the opening titles. We actually had a work in progress over a totally different piece of music from my homeboy, uh, Mr. Jason, who I actually went to college with, and. Porn Theater Ushers, Mr. Jason? Porn Theater Ushers, yeah. He's actually the dude who taught me the MPC, and we've known each other forever. Tight. So we'd been, we'd been working on a on a version of the opening titles, and as rappers are prone to do at the 11th hour, uh, these guys sent this, this song along and blew my editor and I away, and we were like, we got to scrap it <laughs> and start over because this thing is just so perfect. Yeah such a great piece um and yeah and, and i have to while we're giving credit i gotta give credit to jason on that that last line of when uh he says it in the film hobby, right when you're that's him and that became your tagline yeah sorry you guys froze there for no, a no, second that's all good there's too much power going through all of these chords man <laughs> I'm still trying to, yeah, I'm trying to download uh, Adult Rappers Porn? right now on, okay. off of Vimeo. It's really, the, my bandwidth is all messed up. Yeah. Hey, so how did you cross paths with, you said you went to college with Mr. Jason. How did yep. you, how did you cross paths with, because I mean, some of the names that are in this film, and Steve can tell you as he downloads it right now, you got people that we already mentioned, J-Zone, Ari the Rugged Man, Homeboy Sandman, Slug of Atmosphere, Blueprint. Who are you? Who are you? Breezley Bruin. Teray. Breezley Bruin, fucking Master Ace. How did you get all of these people? I mean, the logistics of that must have been pretty difficult. Yeah, and I, mean, I, I want to piggyback on that question one part, too. Is there anyone you couldn't get in anyone that you scrapped? Well, maybe you won't yeah. let you leave that part out, but go ahead. Yeah, um, you know, rappers are super easy to get to. And they're, they're great about being on time and scheduling is really easy. So it was like, a, it was a fucking I was like, who the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, we, you know, we started, uh, I started by reaching out to friends and obviously we had a lot of people that we could talk to on a, you know, firsthand, you know, one degree of separation basis. And that's how we started. And, and then sort of went out in concentric circles. So, friends of friends would reach out or people would co-sign and be like, Hey, you know, I just did an interview for this thing and, and it's, and it's dope. You should get down. Um, some people we just cold called. I had a lot of people, um, uh, get involved in a capacity that was just like, Hey, I'll reach out to whoever you want. 
and see who responds. Like and you mentioned Master Ace, he was one of those people that just answered an email. You know, he's a dude that's at the end of his own email and responds to it. Um, so we went about it that way. There's a lot of people that we tried to get to that, you know, sometimes it was schedule conflict. Sometimes it was, you know, wrap o'clock. Sometimes it was, you know, you run up against like bullshit manager management stuff. Mm. There's a lot of people that we, that we would have liked to have seen in here, many of whom agreed to do it and it just didn't pan out. Um, uh, my, I drove my editor crazy because I would still be shooting this film. Like the best part <laughs> of it for me was the interviews, you know, just really sitting down and having these conversations. I could do that seven days a week. It's always interesting to me. And, um, so that part was, was, was fun and I could just keep going forever, but we had to cap it at some point. Um, and then the, you know, the like politically correct part of it that I, that I wish came through is I wish there was more women you know there's not a ton of women just in general mm. in hip-hop um but I wish there was there was Never more representatives is. there we tried really hard to get Jean Grey um it just that became a scheduled thing um we did you know attorney is in there but sort of in a in a fleeting way she's not you know like a major through line or anything um I do wish there was some more ladies in there having a daughter especially i think it's important to see that but um you know we obviously the, a joke that i wish didn't become a joke was i used to tweet um jay electronica started following me at some point <laughs> and i used to tweet him once a week it's literally religiously once a week i'd be like but seriously if you want to do an interview for our film <laughs> right we'd, it'd be cool and uh, it never happened, but but that was one of those like random things that happened along the way. Mm. What was your pitch towards him? I mean, I, I'd imagine the more actual footage you got and the bigger the names that you got, it was an easier sell to people, or were most people receptive off the jump? No, from jump, people were very um, sort of you know parted, and um, it became easier as we had things to show to people and as people co-signed, obviously. So it was important that from the outset that we had people that knew us, that, you know, that knew me or that knew Tim Alaska from the hangar or, or other people that got down very early. And um, the, the pitch was like, you know, we were trying to, I, the pitch was very much like what you read from the outset. And some people read that in a negative light and just said, Pass. Yeah, because it's you, funny, you know, uh, the, it, you, you had a great line, the through line of the film, and I'd say the main person, uh, at least it seems like the most footage that you got was of Jay Zone. Particularly, mm -hmm. you get like a, like in movies when you watch they have like, and this is what this guy went on to do, and like you have footage of him sort of after, you know, he, you talk to him during his career. I'd imagine some people might be like, yo, is this basically a film where like I have to shit on myself? Or I... I've, the the main strength for me about the film was you allowed people to give their side of it, but I could see somebody being like, oh, I don't know, I don't want to shit. Yeah, myself. there was a lot. There was a lot of people that said, you know, I, just on the surface, from when I read the title, oh. like my career is still going strong, and I would my 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 pushback would always be that's not that's not the point. I'm right. not saying you're washed up, and that's not. I don't think that's the story that we told or that we were trying to tell, but that's definitely how some people took it and just said, no, not right. doing that. Like, um, you know, and the other side of it was, uh, even after it was done, there was definitely some response of like, well, where's the upside? 
you know, like you didn't show the, the good side of it. And oh. That wasn't the story I was trying to tell. And I never lied about that. I said, we were, we were trying to, you know, pull the curtain back on the, the, you know, the business of entertaining and, and show the side that you, every time you see a story about anybody, especially in independent hip hop, it's like cue the slow motion footage of full audience with hands going side to side right. and dude, you know, on the stage, killing it and sweating. Like you've seen that a million times. My, I was interested in the story about the other 23 hours of the day. Right. And that's the part that people don't want to know about that. It's a full-time job. That's right. really hard work. And it's not that fucking glamorous. And I, I don't think cats that, that, you know, aspire to be YouTube millionaires really understand that, that's what you're getting yourself into. And no matter what, you know, I, I think that we actually had Slug on uh, during to interview during one of our earlier episodes. Had, I was about to say he had probably, I love the line that he had in there, you know. Don't stick your dick in everything. No, no, that's like <laughs> hip-hop is all about. <laughs> that's good. No, like hip-hop is all about not giving a fuck, and eventually you actually start giving, you, you give a fuck. Right, so, right. You know, things yeah. change. You know, it's not all about wilding out anymore. Yeah, and I you know? that that's what I was alluding to. I think you have such a fair portrayal of it's not successful or unsuccessful. I mean, Slug's very successful. Ra the rugged. I mean, there's a lot of people that were successful in there. It was you're you're an adult and you're still doing this. Like, what's the process for that? Right. I, you know, I feel like if somebody came at you off the jump, they're like, I don't want to do that. I was like, you know, how fucking insecure are you? Right. Like, at least he had to do that. But the other thing for me is. When you mentioned Jay Electronic, he's such a great example. I'd never heard Jay Zone talk. Like I'd heard all of his records. Sometimes like he was the only thing I'd listen to for two weeks. Uh-huh. But I had no idea what that dude's like conversational pattern was, what his thought you know? Like the first time I heard Nas interviewed, I was like, This guy's a fucking dumbass. <laughs> but he's obviously not, you know. <laughs> Cole just took the opportunity. Yo, to I, I was like, Yo, why did he shit on Nas though? I know, I'm sorry. That's oh, been that's because Nas refused to do the film. I guess I <laughs> I guess I could kiss any opportunity at the Stillmatic documentary. Sorry. <laughs> we'll have to bleep that I out. I like Stillmatic. Stillmatic is, that's maybe my along second that, favorite. Along that album. same vein, I will yeah. say this. Like, I, I went to, uh, the time I watched the movie, I was waiting for a flight to start. Uh, Dez had mailed me the trailer. I watched the trailer and I was like, yo, how long is this? Like, fuck, I'm going to squeeze this in right now. And it was it was as captivated as I've been on, on a piece about hip hop. And I, I mean that... Uh, Truly, I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. Oh, that's and awesome. I'm, I'm curious from obviously the content, you know, as someone who was in the scene, as I'm sure you were, the content is a driver and it's amazing. But the way it was all put together now, is this was this one of your first films or what, like what what was the background that led to this? Because to me, when I, I've already labeled it as your magnum opus, right, this is already your your <laughs> ultimate piece about rap. So I'm just curious because, I, I, you know. Fill, fill in the blanks for myself and for the listeners. Yeah, it's my it's my first film. I mean, I uh, make my living as a commercial director. So what that means for people that don't know is people pay you for the right to pull your card is how I explain to people that <laughs> don't know me. Like, it, it pays well, but don't, you know, think for a second that it's about your creative mission because uh-huh. it's not. It's, it's art for commerce, you know, in the, in the truest sense. So I had waited for a long time to do what I thought would be my first film. And I, I think I naively waited for the right opportunity to present itself to me rather than 
just like finally diving in and picking something and getting after it. And I think um, all the things that people may um, sort of pick at, like little things they may pick out and say, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Are direct results of this film really is the truest. I, I did an interview recently and I said, this film is basically my love letter and my obituary to my wow. music career. Mm. And, and, and I also, from just from a filmmaking standpoint, I wanted to be able to do it by myself. So if I had help and I had money and I had people I could bring with me, that was dope. And we did that. But also I needed to be able to go with a camera by myself and, and be able to conduct an interview and have it all seamlessly tied together, which I think it does. I didn't have the money, you know, or nor, and that was the challenge that I put on myself. I, I didn't want to be like chasing down the rights to photography and music and, you know, licensing all this, like, that's not what I wanted to do. And I still thought there was a compelling story to tell, even if I had to be by myself doing it. And so, you know, it's the, it's the result of that sort of creative challenge. And so the approach was, let me reach out to people that I knew because I knew we could get a really amazing sort of soundtrack just by way of heads that, you know, I consider friends and never have to, sign a licensing agreement or worry about distribution and not try to go after historical footage because I wasn't trying to create a historical document. I was trying to create a little, you know, conversation piece. And and um, if I had to do it by myself, I would do that. You said you had an editor, right? Mm-hmm. So how did that, like, did him, her, how how much did you oversee that or did you just cut them loose? Yeah, I mean, that was, from a filmmaking standpoint, that's the biggest, you know, um, leg up that I had to a lot of, you know, when you see, we did a Kickstarter, as you guys know, and that really, for me, was to have a, a little kitty that I could dip into without spending my own money to get on a, like, we went to Soundset, and I brought a small crew with me, and, uh, or we would, you know, most of the stuff I would piggyback on work I was already doing. Um, my editor is also really friend, one of my creative counterparts we've collaborated for years and um so he donated his time and that's something that i didn't have to pay for okay so what we would do is sort of throughout the shooting process is i would shoot a bunch of interviews send him all the material i would send him notes and he would sort of you know log everything take a look at stuff and then we would get together in the same room plug away a little bit more at the story and then go our separate ways again until I shot a little bit more. So we'd really work on it in chunks. He would work on it on his own until he'd get to a point where he'd be like, you know, I don't really know where I'm going at this point. We need to <laughs> put our heads back together, be in the same room and work on it together again. Uh, and we did that, you know, for the, for the better part of two years. Yeah. I remember seeing the Kickstarter way in advance before the movie actually came out. I was actually, you know, kind of waiting for that thing for to drop for a long time. And uh, I know. Yeah, the Kickstarter. So the Kickstarter happened after we had we already done a lot of interviews, and the Kickstarter was not like let's do a Kickstarter. The Kickstarter for us was more all right. If we want to take it over the hump, I need to be able to when I'm not working, 
have some money around so I can jump on a plane and go interview this, that, and the third. You know what I mean? Um, and it worked out well that way. Well, plus I know with Kickstarter, one of the things is you you know you're supposed to offer rewards to people. I mean, I would if somebody had come to me and they're like, you know, kick me five bucks, I'm making this documentary featuring here's the names. I'm like, here's thirty. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. <clears throat> seems like a very good crowdsourcing yeah. kind of situation. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is timings, everything. We were we were still in the really early days of Kickstarter, where it's like it's ubiquitous now. But when we did ours. Uh, they were only, I think, three years old, you know, okay. so they mm-hmm. weren't, it's not like everybody knew about it the way that they do. And I don't, I'm not saying that that affected us positively or negatively. I just, that, that's just where we fell on the, you know, on the timeline. Um, I, I, and the, the rewards thing, it's funny that you say that because when we first did the Kickstarter, you have to, I don't know if they still make you do this, but you have to basically write a pitch to them and they approve your project or not. And my initial pitch was, I think the reward system is bullshit. Like, <laughs> I, it, you know, I was like, we're trying to make a film. We've already done a significant amount of shooting. I think there's an audience for this film. I think there's, like you said, I think there's people that, that it resonates with that would be like, fuck it, I'll drop 50 bucks on that. I don't think arbitrary rewards sweetens the deal necessarily right but that's their plus it's more work for you yeah well it's like a pay it forward thing because i feel like i paid like two dollars to watch it so to write is how much is it uh i think it's a dollar listeners yeah or a dollar yeah so i paid like a dollar to watch it and to colt's point i would have paid 10 bucks to you know make sure it was going to get made yeah if anybody a lot of people would have if the people listening to this podcast take away anything if you're considering doing a (laughs) kickstarter that shit is a full-time job and then some. Oh. Dude, I did one. Yeah. It was like you have to make you have to make a video. Uh-huh. That's I mean for you that was probably easier than for most people, but it's definitely I found it to be very whole- useful. Like it, I got the you got I mean you got the money, right? You guys killed it. Oh yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we made our goal. The the hard part and I think the part that obviously it's not flattering for Kickstarter, but that people underestimate is the fulfillment of all those rewards. And oh, now yeah. there's like a you know, there's a there's a industry around that where people have just become fulfillment services. But Holy when you're shit. doing it by yourself or you're just trying to raise, you know, a few grand, that that those are all hard costs. You know, if you don't count, which we try to, right. but, you know, like soft dollar amounts of just sweat equity, right? right? Like right. literally packing shit up and taking it to the post office, right? And all that stuff, like the hours that go into getting the poster printed and then shipping in. How do you ship a poster that you can't roll up and all that kind of stuff? Like people, I think wildly underestimate. I mean, I definitely, I definitely want to do one. Like I'm moving and I have just so much crap. Like I want to almost put it on Craigslist. Like if you do my Kickstarter, you'll get my bed. Like I just want to, I I just have shit. I want to get rid of. (laughs) I dust bunny. Right. Right. That potato salad's still good. So how many downloads or, or streams have you gotten so far? Any idea? One million. Oh, wow! On the nose. <laughs> oh, right. I actually, just hit it earlier today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we were at no. Oh, yeah, we were at nine hundred thousand nine hundred ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've had a lot of traffic. You know, that's another interesting thing. We've had a lot of traffic to the trailer, like tens of thousands. Actual streams. Mm. Um. It's a good question. 
like 500 people that actually bought it yeah you serious it's that low that's crazy yeah. dude i've rented it three times well let not, me ask not you to sh i'm cheap on the internet and i've rented <laughs> it i've rented it three Yo, times steve has his total uh Dollar spent on phone apps <laughs> yeah. is less than five dollars. Yeah, like yeah, sure. yeah. I spent more. I've spent more on, I've spent more so on for him to throw adult. you three dollars. Is about like how Cole and I said. He basically just gave you his firstborn child. Like that's how he is with money on the internet. <laughs> and we went back and forth too because you know the pricing. Everybody does. It seems like everyone does the four ninety nine thing. But again, for me, it wasn't about the making money off of it. It was about getting as many eyeballs. I'm saying people are buying. Uh, you know. Flow Rider and Pitbull songs off iTunes right now. Well, or go think, fuck yeah. yourself. Or think about it: the right. app that you use to like make it so your ex girlfriend can't contact you anymore. Whatever you're doing, that was ninety nine cents. This movie's a dollar. But right. my question for you is: Do you think you get more viewers if you made it free, or if you made it something like nine bucks? That's a good question. I mean, um, there's so as you guys know. I mean, there's so much white noise out there. It's so hard to get somebody to pay attention to anything that you do. I'm and, saying, um, yeah, it's tough, but everybody, you know, yeah. but, you know, distribution is is everything, and um, we don't have that. I think I take heart in that the people that have the people that have seen it have taken time out to contact me. I yeah. mean, I've I've gotten I, I posted something on my blog a while ago. This dude Cole emailed me about how he watched it he sent me this like two-page email huh. about how it hit him and he was like i need to work harder at wow. what i do having watched this thing i realized like i'm not i'm not hustling hard enough yeah that's the kind of stuff that i'm like all right that makes it that makes it so worth it um you know we're never you know a million people are not going to see this film and that's okay um See, it's funny because you're at such an awesome attitude to have. I feel like a lot of artists, like including some in the film, would be like, "That's cool, give me more money." Huh. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> it's dope that you take that, you know, to heart. It's funny the the white noise analogy too that you just made or metaphor is is so dead on. Because I was thinking about this the other day, where like someone hit me on a mass email, but it was you know like to twenty people they knew. It wasn't like a listserv, and they're like, "Hey, I just put this thing out. You should check it. It was a song." I'm like at this point, you know, on my on my personal email, and it was even an old one. I'm like that is, if ten years ago you just would have yelled at me when I was walking past you on the street <laughs> and been like, "Hey, I got a film," you know. So like, yeah. I, I totally can sympathize with what you're saying about how do you get someone to watch it because ultimately, if it weren't for probably my connection to Des and Mitch, I don't know if I would have taken the ten seconds that it Who takes to you? click on the trailer. As soon as I watch the trailer, I'm like, yo, this shit is right up my alley. Yeah. I'm completely the target audience. But like that that's gotta be such a struggle for you in knowing that I mean, you've gotta be proud of the product and then you have to face the fact that there's there's thirty thousand people that would die for this that still aren't gonna watch. Well, and I, I did want to yeah. put Paul onto that, this that's too. That's crazy. Yeah. Speaking of white noise, newest member of different styles. Ah. He was the remember when uh Ghostface had a white dude actually named Wigger. Mm -hmm. So we have our own we have our own white rapper in different styles. His name's White Noise. Paul, we have this rap group called Different Styles. <laughs> yes. Well, we just come up with crazy ass names, and then it's like a there's like four hundred thousand members in the group right now. It makes Wu Tang look like a solo act. All right, I need to give you your southern rap. Do you have a southern rap? No, go oh, for please, it. Please, oh, please, please. 
your southern rapper is liquid smoke oh <laughs> shit that's amazing which reminds me actually dry ice should probably be in dry there too. Ice. oh dry ice that's good <laughs> That'd be an interesting collabo, like liquid smoke and dry ice. Yeah. I'm still tripping off last together. last week's newest member, Pit Rider. Pit Rider is still <laughs> Pit killing Rider me. Was Flo Rider and Pitbull combined into one? Pit Rider. So, Paul, how do you go about alleviating what you were, you know, what Chuck was just alluding to? Like, how do you get your voice heard? How do you cut through the white noise? You know, I, I, for me, you know, it's like that that cliche about filmmaking and storytelling like the journey is the story in a lot of ways and mm. the bell curve for us was like let's we have a great idea and then you're moving up the bell curve right and it's like oh people are gonna love this gonna, and you hit the top of it and you're like wait till all the film festivals see this and people you know internet's gotta go crazy and then you start to go down the other side of the bell curve when it's like huh a lot of rejection letters from those film festivals hmm. <laughs> not a lot of not a lot of people calling for those interviews. Huh. Well, we're done now. And uh, a lot of crickets. As a, and, as a podcast um, that's had uh, Slug Sage uh, recently, Odyssey. Who are you? Who are and you? Watching the listenership, I can relate to said bell curve. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're still about to pop off, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're still about to Actually, no. The future's bright for Chrome Bills. Don't get me wrong. We're still about to pop off. I'm getting this. This interview you know, with the adult rappers guy is gonna put us over the <laughs> over the. Oh tizzy. yeah, no, you guys are you guys are right on the cusp. I'm gonna take <laughs> I'm I'm taking Peyton Locke's uh, uh, point of view on this one, you know, which is he's which stinking, is, stinking positive, man. Things are just getting started, you know. Keep thinking that. Peyton, I didn't Peyton's notice that. What's up? The um, yeah, I mean the thing the thing for us was we fought we came around to the like look we made something that we love that we're very proud of. The closure was like it's done. We put it out. I think I probably waited too long because we didn't take our own advice and waited for that right, perfect opportunity to to release it. What would that have been? Should... I really wanted it to go to a festival somewhere. I felt like, you know, we were one festival programmer that had a hard on for Slug away from this plan somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, we true. didn't we didn't find that person. We got a lot of love in a lot of places, but film festivals were just not, it, it wasn't for one reason. I mean, and that's a very fickle bunch. Fracking you know, so. is really hot this year, so, Yo. you know. Yeah, oh yeah, no. Fracking, and, uh, or if, you know, it was like trying to get a good pitchfork review. Right. Well, you well, know, I have a, a dear, dear friend of mine that's in film, not at all like documentary stuff, but she explained it to me one night really drunk, and she's like, we were about to get into this film festival, and then they were like, Angelina Do Jolie made a film, so we're gonna put this out instead. It's just like, it's wow. the same politics as like any business. And this was a big one of the big New York ones. I mean, I don't know the fucking names, but yeah. you know, like it. That's that kind of just goes to show, like even the quality of the product is not always indicative of where it's shown or how many people uh, will view it. And that's unfortunate. Well, speaking of which, show, and this is one thing. Me, show me any, show me any creative, creative endeavor where there's it's still a meritocracy. I mean, that doesn't exist. Right. Yeah. Well, for anybody out there who's shedding some tears for Paul, I want to I want to read off some of the people he's actually done commercials for. Now, you shot, you directed and shot these commercials, right? Uh, 
He, once he you say the names, he doesn't know what you're looking at. Well, you realize look, that, right? I'm looking at his what? <laughs> he's like, you don't do what I do and just fucking wrong. Fucking you don't wrong. do I'm what I do and just stare at your website 24 <laughs> hours a day. I'm, I'm on uh, Paul Yannakino's website. It's paulyannakino.com. Just Google Paul, you'll find it easily. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, good luck spelling it. Right. <laughs> well, I remember a couple years ago, I actually tweeted you. You did the the Pepsi Can Cave commercial <laughs> where Matt Stafford's like in a grocery store, and I'm I'd seen yep. it, and then I. You know, when I was like checking out who did adult rappers and I went on your site and saw this, like I didn't even tweet you about adult rappers. I was like, yo, what was Matt Stafford like? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you've also done for match.com, fucking uh, Coca Cola, Febreze. Okay. How caked out are you? And tell us about Matt Stafford. You said he was often. I actually live in this. In this, this isn't my office. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say, is that a futon? <laughs> okay. I thought I saw a shower head back there. I thought that was weird. Matt Stafford was am- he was amazing. He's a he's a highly underrated talent. He was a blast to work with. He's like a regular dude. Where you know rappers and athletes and celebrities can be horrible. Um, he was super solid and just like a blast to work with. Totally down to just have fun, which you had to with something like that. Um, yeah, those guys are those guys in Detroit are lucky to have. I feel like, like if that. you're the type of dude, like who, you have a good head of hair as Steve does, oh. and you still want to wear a backwards hat, I'm like you're probably pretty cool. He's covered it up. He's, you know what I mean? Like he seems like he seem he does seem like he'd be like at, at any point was he like Yo, do you have any blow? Like he seems like he likes to party. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh like he was like god. drinking during breaks and shit. Oh my god! No, he was, he was a total pro. He was very chill. Which is which is awesome. Now, how do you get so? How do you get linked up with that, or Febreze, or Coca Cola? Uh, how commercials work is in general, you get um, you sign to a production company who represents you, and they are the sales portion of that. And um, so they, you know, sell try to sell your your past work, your reel, and um, that's that commercial game is as competitive as a rap game wow so you're uh you know you're in competition with people for every little every little job now am i just um, jumping to conclusions thinking that just because you've worked with these companies like it seems to me that like you're doing really well in that environment is that what is that the case or are you an utter failure i'm doing no i'm doing i'm doing well i mean i yeah i mean i'm i'm lucky i have i'm able to support my family and we have a house and a roof over our heads and I don't, uh, you know, I don't have to dig ditches or be an accountant or work in a cubicle. Oh, oh, or an engineer yeah, or work or at the archives. Or an engineer. Three of us. Oh. Three cubicle dwelling <laughs> motherfuckers right here. Do you, remember that, do you remember that Nas line when he's like, somehow the rap games reminds me of the commercial game? <laughs> yeah. That was ill. <laughs> How does that work with the wife and kids? Like, do you have to travel a lot? Because uh, I'd imagine you have to be on yeah, location I travel, to shoot. I, I mean, that's the irony. Is um, he's cutting out uh, a little bit. Froze there. Yep. You guys back? Oh, we're back. We were popping and locking for a second. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, saw that. I saw that. I appreciate that. <laughs> you should just do that as part of the podcast, though. Like we, just we actually, random times, just we, not popping and locking. I'm like, sorry, we had to get that out. It's an system. it's an audio podcast, but yeah, we do do that. <laughs> <laughs> like 48 that's seconds what of, even, that's what makes it even better right like, like a moment of silence a moment of silence for popping and locking just imagine this i'm more of a uh crumper what was that shit okay crumping do you crumping. remember that I, I, yeah. 
I've never been able to dance, period, so I just avoided it altogether. But <laughs> I forget the question now. Yeah, I don't know. Was there a question? Um, I'm sure it was some highfalutin, like, convoluted way to ask, like, what was hanging out with Slug Life. I got yeah, the next what? one in the queue. Okay, So good. when you said uh, it, was a, it was a really dope description earlier, you said it was your love letter and obituary to hip-hop. So just for our listeners that don't know and myself, uh, so what is your actual background as far as doing stuff uh, with music? Uh, so I, I moved to New York uh, in 99 to pursue music, and I was an aspiring producer and DJ. And um, I was lucky enough to um, make my first record with Mr. Liff, or whoever knows Liff. Um, Who are you? Yeah, what, the, record, what record were you on? Front on This. I produced Front on This. Oh, oh that's, shit. Awesome. that's, that's awesome. fire, dude. Yep. That was my first. That was my record on the wall at Fat Beats. Um, so that sort of became my, like the you know you need a little calling card to be able to say oh I did such and such. Um, and then I met not soon after I met um, Tim Alaska, who at the time was thinking he might want to be a solo artist, and we started working together. And then, which led to working with Hangar 18 and um, some of the other Def Jux cats and. So I, uh, you know, did the hustle and beat tapes things for for a number of years in New York, and um, at the same time I was working in advertising and and thinking the advertising was total bullshit and probably helped me excel in advertising. So I was like, Nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make beats, son. <laughs> and, uh, and where are you living during all this? You're living in Manhattan. I was living in Manhattan. Yeah, when you could still do that. Working on like Matt. Well, I live in Manhattan, but I live in the area no one wants to live. I live like way downtown, like South Street Seaport. Oh, okay. Well, so so I lived on on Orchard and Delancey in '99 when you know okay. nobody lived there, but yeah, you could it's go a little different, you know, a little different today. Yeah, Baby Jupiter's was there back then, and you know the cooler was still open, and the wetlands, and um, yeah, I mean I remember seeing this dude no one ever heard of, Aesop Rock, come up on the stage and do an acapella and people were like, what the, what, what is this? Wow. Before he was, you know, Aesop. And so it was a cool time. And, um, we ended up getting signed to Def Jux and put our album out and, uh, the multi-platform debut album, which sent us on tour <laughs> with Merce and, uh, C-Rays <laughs> and Shock G and the Perceptionists. Wow. Dope. And uh, hell of a lineup. It was a it was an awesome experience that I completely hated. Why? And, uh, Why'd you hate it? So that I just did touring was not for me. Like I, I mean, I'm really really thankful for the experience and shock was awesome. It was one of those really great things. Where you're like, holy crap, I'm here. Shit, I do not like this. <laughs> All I wanted to, like, I just you know, <laughs> you, you like we get into music or art or whatever it is and you're like this i've been fighting for so long and get there and like, yeah this is not, what not like the the, the difficulty of the tra- the, the difficulty of the trad of the traveling or just the shows themselves it was yeah it was the it was the the tour lifestyle the travel and we had it good on that tour too i mean don't get me wrong we were on a bus and um we had it much better than most people do. That's why I give a, t- a massive respect for any, you know, road dog at any level, huh. you know, the tours for their living. Cause it's so fucking hard. 
um, it just wasn't for me. I was a studio rat. You know, I liked sitting in front of my MP and having my comfortable spot, and that was my thing. Um, the rest of the guys loved it, so it was sort of the beginning of the end for us sort of staying together as like a touring unit, but we tried to continue to record and make music together. And But I, I knew at that point, like, I needed to figure something else out. It wasn't going to be the thing for me. Also, I just think I wasn't very good, so... <laughs> you know, I had to confront that as well. <laughs> good at what? At DJing? I mean, obviously you could make whole, beats. I was a very, I mean, very average DJ. I didn't love, some people love performing. I did not love being on stage. I, I mean, I kind of liked it. It's fun. I didn't love it. It wasn't like I needed to get up there. Like some people need to get up there and, and have that interaction. That wasn't me. Um, you know, and I, I think, where a lot of people suffer, whether they want to admit it is not admit it or not, was I could see the horizon in you know the type of career that I would have as a hip hop producer. Well, would you and say that you could see that horizon for the genre as a whole or the industry as a whole, or you just felt that for yourself? I just felt it for myself. Like I, I sort of knew where my you know I felt like wow, this is dope. I'm really excited that I did it. I could probably plug along for a couple of years mm. and this would be it, you know? Like, I will have to check. This would be as good as we could get. I'm sorry. I will have to check with our legal department because uh -huh. very average DJ is actually the different styles DJ. Right. So I'm going to have to make sure that we can use that <laughs> you, on the, on the he, And he's, oh, he actually is, he's in a unit with uh, producer RJD3. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it's interesting though when it's you C2PO. talk about the, how people have the need to get on stage I think that for DJs in hip hop right it's pretty much the opposite of being a drummer in a rock band like you're yeah. not you're not making the beats live so at some point you're gonna have to be comfortable being uncomfortable because you're like alright what am I doing like now I'm in the part where my boy kills this verse for eight bars and like I can cue up the scratch I'm gonna do <laughs> at at the chorus that I'm gonna like oh this one has a rap chorus I'm gonna do it like really in the background or you know like it's it's uh I feel like you know say like well when you're busy time flies type of thing like there's a lot of time to think about what you're doing and I've always yeah, noticed that with cats that I work with as DJs there are guys that are who are DJs they're hired guns and they're really amazing at what they do and that's what they do i wasn't that guy and um so yeah i mean i yeah you sort of could be sitting up there thinking about like what you were gonna have for dinner or if you were gonna have dinner <laughs> later that night, which you probably wouldn't you were gonna like get blackout drunk because that's what it takes to sleep on the bottom bunk of a tour bus yeah oh yeah, so you were at the point, it was one of those kind of situations where you were sleeping during the drive from one city to the next. Like, you weren't spending yeah, a lot yeah. of time. Yeah, that's that's arduous. Sleeping in, sleeping in air quotes. Right. There wasn't a lot of sleep. Eyes closed. And we, had, we sort of had this, we had this reputation as being like, you know, the crazy drunk uncles of of the, the like, very serious, art, very artistic, Def Jux artists, right? right? So we were like, I think we always felt this pressure to be like, keep up, just be the crazy ones because that's what you're good at. Yeah, be the party and, boys. Huh. Yeah, we were the we were absolutely the party guys. I did want to, 
I want for our listeners out there. You know, we've talked about uh, Yanakino, how that might be difficult to pronounce. If you Google Paul made this, and Paul is spelled with a W, not a U, they'll find all your stuff, <laughs> right? Yep. Okay, cool. Because I really think, I mean, we've been, you know, Chuck. We opened the episode saying that we've been on a run, Odyssey, some, Who are some you? just ID Who are rags, you? Who are awesome you? people in here. Paul's another dude. I've I've never talked to him before. When I hit him up, I was like, you don't know how this is gonna go. You're a funny ass smart dude, man, and I encourage our listeners to check your shit out for real. Oh, I appreciate that. Thanks yeah. very much. I mean, renting, I agree. It, it's a dollar. Like, you know, it takes everybody has PayPal at this point. It's super easy to just. The next time you are just completely shit-faced at your uncle's picnic and you see some 17-year-old kid smoking a cigarette and you go up to him and you're just shit-faced drunk with a little vomit on the front of your shirt, you're like, I'll give you a dollar for a cigarette. Save that dollar. Good good call. <laughs> Watch this. But really, to, to echo what I, you know, the point about the white noise, right? I would just encourage people to watch the trailer because that was when I was halfway through the trailer, mm. I was like, okay, I'm definitely watching this. Right. And I think that that's the difference is that even if someone made it all the way through this interview and they're like, ah, I'm kind of on the fence, you know, it sounds like it's something for me. But, you know, the the main thought is that if you watch the trailer, you will immediately then watch it. The only other thing I would say to piggyback on that is people always say, oh, like, why am I going to want to, you know, why would, why would I be interested in this? Who's in it? Right. Like, who do I know that's in it? And I would say, well, probably no one that you know these aren't house like everyone you guys know everyone that's in this and most of the listeners probably do but that's not crucial to relating to the story in my opinion if you you know if your brother inspired to be a painter or you know your dad tried to be a screenwriter or your sister like knits shit and tries to sell it on etsy yeah you know, adult knitters. She actually, she I think actually it's relatable does. in that way. Like, it's it's a story. It's it's delivered and told in a hip hop package, but it's not a hip hop documentary. It's really that's the way that we decided to tell the story of people that really struggle to, you know, when you just decide, fuck it. I'm well, to that point, and I mean, even if even if someone's gonna stubbornly be like, but I want it the hip hop way. I'm a huge uh, Prince Among Thieves fan. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd oh, I don't think I'd ever seen Breezley Bruin like other than the drawing of him and then like the Juggernauts cover where it's like a little bit further away. I mean, it, he probably had appeared in the film three times before I was like, "Holy fuck, is that Breezley Bruin?" Yeah, like yeah. it's like I was saying about like just like you know hearing J Electronica talk or just seeing these people outside of that package as the MC is very fascinating. Yeah. He's one of those mysterious characters that. in hip hop, you know, Breezy Bruin. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But then he was like, "Yeah, like I, I was like, all right, like I got kids now, like and, he, and he, I think he said like the day job that he had, like it just blows my mind that he he's also, a teacher. Yeah, teacher. Yeah. yeah, like he just snapped right in. He's like, all right, like nine to five now, and good for him, you know. Yeah, if I can. Uh, he's if an I amazing. Sneak, if I can sneak one more question in, uh, of course. As a producer and DJ, yes, it's my real hair. No, what prompted you? To, <laughs> what prompted you to focus on rappers? And and the reason I ask that is, you probably know this as a beat maker and as a DJ. And this goes back to conversations we had with DJ Rags and DJ ID, the last two episodes. Who are beat you? makers in particular are strange cats, right? Like, yeah, they're, they're not, right. so so I feel like maybe I guess maybe because the rapper has the face, and you can say, like you said, oh, like the. There's someone who, regardless of the content, they just will see Slug and put me in a festival. Like, what 
what made you choose rappers or better yet do you think there's a story to be told about the other roles like is there a producer even if it's not by you that someone could make the same film about like beat makers yeah i mean i uh, i you know we came up with the title actually before we came up with the film and it started as a joke because uh you know i had moved on from a music career but still had beat cds out there and still you know i had a lot of friends that were still pursuing their music career in varying degrees and i was i was on a set and uh my phone rang and i was like i'm not i can't answer this right now and i went to voicemail and then i picked up the voicemail and i was talking to my friend who i was working with and it, the voicemail was somebody like you know i hadn't spoken with in 10 years like yo it's so and so and i found this beat cd are these, are these beats still available i'm like are you are you for real and i'm telling i'm telling my buddy this and i at the time i just said man i have too many adult rappers in my life <laughs> and it, so it became a joke that turned into an we started that day talking about the idea of like oh man that's interesting you know as we all get older so the, the original concept for the film was a little broad it was probably too much story and that's why we narrowed it down we were going to talk to people that were and i did some interviews with people that weren't rappers but that you know sort of dabbled and then understood i'm not going to be a, i'm not going to be a dj i'm going to be a chef you know i'm this isn't the thing for me to sort of illustrate like you know we all kind of gen xers especially touch that culture but it wasn't for everybody and here's all the different paths that people took it just became like too all over the place from a story perspective and that's why we we narrowed it down but i agree with you i mean beat makers are interesting breed i i have a concept for a dj film that i'd really like to pursue um but i'm definitely not doing kickstarter again in, in any way shape or form to to fund a film and then and i wouldn't do a follow-up about rappers unless somebody else wants to be the talent wrangler because they're the worst they're the worst <laughs> Well, Paul, thank you so much for giving us so much of your time, just taking time out of sure. it. Thanks, Anytime man. you got something, you know, that you want to promote, please let us know. All of our audience is going to check out Paul Made This. Paul spelled with a W, not a U. Yeah, and if you Google adult rappers, it should take you right to that Vimeo link. So uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on and taking the time to chop it up. Absolutely, man. Sure, Mitch. Thanks, brother. Hell yeah. Chrome Bills, 85. Put those cats away and clean your house. <laughs> Is my house dirty? They're with cats. <laughs> the cats just make it filthy. I live my life like everything's a bed of roses Yet the flow's composed of bleeding ulcers With the need for closest Neatly woven with amnesia notions It makes the cheap fabrications The path and blazes lack and brazen imagination I've created a creature, a habit A combative double feature with the need for adapting Dapper and neatly lacking in the lap A luxury suffering actor Suck but not trapped, I'm a sucker for cash I've grown accustomed to a comfortable path Let's make this long story short I'm tortured and off-centered Short-tempered and off-course With moments of brilliance Hopelessly resilient An opulent optimist Who opts to sit in the fringes While binging on some toxic shit Boombox apocalypse My bots equip me with a strong work ethic Some of my worst head trips People skills and a need for acceptance So you could keep the bills I'll persevere through the fear And find confidence in a bottle I live my life like no consequences No tomorrows No common sense and endless sorrow I've had moments 
it's a shame Been motivated by pain Attempt to feel whole, only a whole remains I give my soul in exchange for some control to maintain I'm gonna lose it, there's mood shifts, abuse of juices Jubilance is elusive, don't give two shits, I'm useless Damaged and jaded by some standards, I've made it Big money, my own place When I look at my face, I see dysfunction and hate. I miss the innocence of youth, elusive images of truth I've gotten used to the noose of insignificant pursuits Asphyxiated, I need a fix of hatred Addicted to the distance that exists in my nature Sisyphus with the death, wish for my maker But I can't be chasing ghosts, god damn that's a certain death I'll embrace those as close and make the most of what I'm working with You couldn't walk a mile in my skin You would die within dialing 911 because my burden weighs a ton I'm certain that the sum of my parts equals a hole in my heart I try to fill with my soul If you feel me, let me know Let me know If you feel me, let me know Yo, let me know If you feel me, let me know Now I live my life like every moment's my last Been motivated by that since the towers collapsed Empowered in fact by such a cowardly act My city showered in ash and my block reeks of smoke For three weeks I had a runny nose and burnt throat Missing person posters even when there's no hope For us there's no escaping it Can't turn off the TV when I'm tired and can't take the shit Candlelight vigils making face individuals I'm sorry I'm straying Let's just say I gained some perspective from all this pain It brought my eyes open Upon reflection realized I was going in the wrong direction I've always been self-destructive a selfish motherfucker, a tad bit convulsive, a vulture to those I'm close with, a legend in my own mind, blind to the questions that define my soul's progression. Opportunity knock, I pretended I wasn't home. Opportunity call, I wouldn't pick up the phone. I saw it at a show and pretended I didn't know him. On some stupid shit, not a student dick move, which proved unusually hard-headed, headed for scars, tarred and feathered, fed up and marred instead of better to Mars. You couldn't walk a mile in my skin, you would die within dialing 911 because my burden weighs a ton. Certain that the sum of my parts equals a hole in my heart, I try to fill with my soul. If you feel me, let me know. Let me know. If you feel me, let me know. Yo, let me know. If you feel me, 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 let me know.